In her book, entitled An Altar in the World, author Barbara Brown Taylor has a chapter entitled The Practice of Walking on the Earth. The book is designed to open the eyes of the reader to sacred spaces that are all around us on a daily basis outside the walls of our churches. This chapter in particular is focused on being more fully present and mindful of our connection with the rest of creation. The spiritual practices she recommends for this are walking and going barefoot, often at the same time. She shares this story about the practice of going barefoot. A few years ago, a friend of mine was walking the Mother Labyrinth in Chartres Cathedral with a group of other pilgrims when she noticed an older man and woman standing near the entrance watching. After about 20 minutes of looking, they walked straight to the center of the labyrinth, bowed their heads in prayer. Then the woman took off her shoes and handed them to her husband along with her purse. As he watched, she took the long way out of the labyrinth, following the path this time. She cried on the way, and he cried just watching her. When they had pulled themselves together, my friend went up to ask them what had just happened. They had come to celebrate the end of the woman's treatment for breast cancer, they explained. They had never even heard of a labyrinth before they walked into the cathedral that day. The woman could not explain why she was drawn to walk it, But when she did, her husband decided to hold down the center, giving thanks for her life while she found her way out. Perhaps many of us have had moments like these, a moment in time when we are drawn to something we may not yet understand, but our curiosity takes over and we find ourselves doing things like taking off our shoes and walking with bare feet. In these moments, as we participate in a ritual, before even knowing what it is, we are opening ourselves up to the possibility of a spiritual encounter with God. We may not know what it is we are yet being called to, but we know we won't figure it out until we get closer. And perhaps it's been a long time since we've allowed ourselves to be drawn into such a sacred moment and get called up in the presence of God. So as we prepare to explore a familiar story in the book of Exodus this morning, I would like for us to keep this question in our minds. Are we, in our daily lives, attentive to these types of holy moments? In other words, as we seek to live out our vocations, are we aware and curious when God tries to get our attention through the creation around us? This story of Moses is indeed familiar to many of us, and it's the beginning of what will become a much larger narrative of liberation and transformation. But it all began here, 
in this moment, in a time when an ordinary shepherd became curious about a miraculous sight. He felt himself being drawn to something before he even knew what it was, and he ended up in the very presence of God. Let us listen now to our Old Testament scripture reading from Exodus, chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called out to him, called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain." But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I don't know how many times you all have read or heard this story, but I've heard it over and over again. It was one of the very first stories I remember learning in Bible school growing up. 
And even as an adult, it's still fun to go back and watch the animated movie, The Prince of Egypt, every now and again. And like any meaningful story, I have my favorite parts that I've memorized. But this time, when I began to read over such a familiar text, I discovered something I had missed. Something new. A part of the story that's been there all along, but it finally stood out to me this time around and calls me to pause longer and look deeper at this passage. I had never noticed before how important it was that Moses' curiosity leads him to investigate this burning bush. If you look closely back at verse 3 and 4, we realize that God did not call to Moses until Moses first decided to examine this fire blazing, but not consuming, this shrub in the middle of the wilderness. It's only when God sees that Moses actually moves to satisfy his curiosity that God calls to him. And it's only as Moses allows himself to be drawn into that sphere of this unusual sight that communication begins to take place. Moses finds himself being drawn in because of this powerful elemental imagery in front of him. While he's tending his flock in the middle of a mundane, arid wilderness, he sees a bush covered in fire, but not being burned to ashes. And while the burning bush is set up in our story as a divine attention-getting device, it's more than that. It's also the association of God's appearance to Moses later at Sinai, as well as the pillar of fire that will lead the people through the wilderness. And as we know later in the Gospels, this is not the only time that God will appear to shepherds in a wilderness with an important announcement. In fact, it's safe to say that God often chooses non-traditional, non-religious settings for humans to encounter the word. This is such a powerful moment because it reveals to us a God who is down to earth. A God who would make his presence lowly in order to make room for humankind to enter into a genuine conversation regarding the shape of our future together. This is a detail of the story that also informs us of Moses' mindset. Because he was in such an ordinary setting, he wasn't expecting a divine encounter that day. Then there's this miraculous moment where this plain wilderness is instantly transformed into holy ground. As soon as God calls Moses' name and he answers, Here I am. God's presence has made a piece of earth covered in sand, rocks, and dry shrubs into a sacred sanctuary for a holy conversation. And Moses does not just answer verbally. He responds to God's instructions by removing his sandals and standing with his feet bare before the Lord. This is an act of open submission and obedience to God, an act that demonstrates his willingness to follow. In bearing his feet on this holy ground, 
Moses is in full connection with God and the rest of creation. He's committed before he even knows the details of the vocation to which he's being called. And neither God nor Moses will act alone to bring Israel out of Egypt. God is taking the initiative and setting the agenda, but Moses acts as God's instrument in order to carry out this task. This is the beginning of a holy partnership that will become a much longer relationship. It's also interesting that as the conversation goes on between Moses and God, Moses's here I am later becomes who am I? His initial readiness turns into reluctance once he's heard the entire job description for which he is being hired. And I think we can all agree that Moses' concerns and excuses are pretty reasonable considering what he's being asked to do. It's almost like a job interview in reverse, because if instead of trying to highlight all of his positive qualifications, here's Moses listing all the reasons why he's inadequate. He's unworthy. He doesn't have enough information about God to really represent him well. People probably won't listen to him anyway if he doesn't speak well. And finally, if we kept reading to verse 4, Moses just asked God to send someone else. And each time Moses lists what he considers to be a problem, God responds, but probably not in the way we expect. Instead of building Moses up, telling him, of course you can do it, you were made for this job, God reassures him by promising to be with him every step of the way. God doesn't affirm Moses' attributes. God builds up the promise of his own presence. And that's such another amazing thing about this nameable, intimate, earthly God that we have. Wherever God calls his people to serve, he promises to go with them. After all, this is the same God of Genesis, the one who made faithful promises, the one who goes with, who guards fugitives like Jacob, who keeps outsiders like Joseph, and who births babies to barren mothers. This is the God of Moses, and this is the same God who promises to continue to be present with us today. Now this week in particular might be difficult for us to wrap our minds around opening ourselves up to the possibility of a divine connection with creation, while at the same time responding to a disaster the size of Hurricane Harvey. When such violent storms impact the very spaces we use to seek shelter from the elements, it's easy to feel like creation is working against us. Water, mud, sand, trees, they end up in places we don't want them or expect them. But like the Israelites who face the mighty Egyptian empire, we face this enormous task of recovery. And like Moses before us, we are constantly reminded that God is still with us. 
regardless of the setting. Whether battling floodwaters in Houston or standing in solitude on a desert plain, God is present. Whether we're answering a call or crying out in suffering, God hears us. And as God recalls these patriarchs to Moses, we're reminded that our God is eternal, a God who hears, remembers, sees, and knows everything we experience. And God doesn't just stop there. God comes down to be in our midst. Just as God tells Moses that he's heard the cry of the Israelites, we can be assured that God intimately understands human suffering and focuses divine energy on those situations. This is why we can bear our very lives when God seeks to draw us in. We don't have to be afraid to bear our feet on holy ground and enter into a faithful vocation because God is with us and will give us what we need for the task he calls us to. So when's the last time you noticed a holy gesture in your life? Perhaps there's something now that, as you think back on it, you realize might have been a divine attention getter. When's the last time you took off your shoes and walked barefoot upon the earth? When's the last time you committed to a call or a vocation from God before you even knew exactly what you were getting yourself into? How is God seeking to get your attention? It may seem like a big risk to take to willingly bear your feet on the ground in a wilderness place. But such a response to holy gestures from God might just be the precondition of liberation and transformation in our world. And a bit of curiosity might lead to a call, a vocation. I want to leave you all with some instructions that Barbara Brown Taylor has for the practice of going barefoot. And I encourage us all not only to bear our feet in this world sometime soon, but to continue to look for these holy gestures, these moments from God that seek to draw us in and transform our lives and those of the lives around us. Here are her words. You do not need to go to the Sinai Desert to engage in the practice of going barefoot. Just choose a place outdoors that you're willing to encounter in the flesh without your customary cushion and protection. A mossy knoll if you're a beginner, or a rocky stream bed if you're not. Take off your shoes and feel the, feet, the earth under your feet, as if the ground on which you are standing really is holy ground. Let it please you. Let it hurt you a little bit. Feel how the world really feels when you do not strap little tanks on your feet to shield you from the way things really are. It will help if you don't expect God to speak to you right away. Just give your full attention to where you are for once. Walk as if your life depended on it. 
placing your heel before your toes and getting a sense of just how much pressure you put on the grass, the clover. Watch out for the honeybee, the slick river stones, the silted stream bed, the red clay, the pine bark on the woodland path, the black earth in the vegetable garden. As you press down on these things, can you feel them pressing back? They have been around so much longer than you have, most of them. You are the new kid on the block. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, as we seek to pay attention to the gestures you make to draw us in, we ask that you might continue to be present with us. Allow us to give in to our curiosity and to be willing to bear our feet on holy ground when you call us by name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.